And no, it is not Wednesday night, it's Sunday morning. And we're going to be in Psalm 127. Psalm 127 this morning. We are, um, we are entering into what some would consider, and maybe now, sometimes more so than even Christmas, for some, the most wonderful time of the year. And that is called back to school. Back to school. Everybody in agreement on that? This is the most wonderful time of the year? Maybe the parents feel that way? <laughs> and I've talked to some of the students, and they're kind of ready to go back to school. I'm going to give you a, a moment of, of honesty from my life. I hated back to school. I don't know if there was ever a time where, I, where these words came out of my mouth. I can't wait to go to school. Is anybody with me on that? Hallelujah. Nobody likes to be alone, do they? <laughs> okay, how many of you love school and couldn't wait to get back or can't wait to get back? Anybody like that? Uh, anybody? Oh, 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 okay. Good for you. You keep that attitude. That's great. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I tell you what, everybody everybody has their own way of thinking and own way of doing things. Their own likes and dislikes, right? Because God made us unique, didn't he? Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. But go to Psalm 127. And what I wanted to do and what I kind of put together this morning are just some thoughts about how to get our families ready and in shape for back to school. And Immediately when I say that, probably a good portion of us here are going to say, well, then this is not for me because I'm not going to school. I don't have any kids going to school, so I'll just kind of sit here and sleep with my eyes open. No, please don't do that. Uh, please don't do that because this is not just for back to school as, as anything from the Word of God. It's also going to help us with life in general. So this is something for everybody here this morning but just kind of an emphasis on the back to school because that is where we are at. It is that time. Uh, until the day comes when we go to school year-round, and anybody in favor of that? You don't have to raise your hand. Just, just something to chew on there. And, you know, as we get ready for back to school, in terms of, in terms of spending money, it is almost rivaling Christmas time, isn't it? Sometimes for all the things, to be bought think about it you're buying uh, you're buying new school clothes probably uh, you got to get a new backpack because the one from last year is just all tore up you got to get some maybe some new shoes new shoes for school um, if your kids are in band or if they're in sports you got to get musical instruments you got to get uh, sports equipment uh, just a never-ending uh, cycle of spending and then there's that ever-dreaded school stylist where you have to go to Walmart to get one thing and Target to get another thing and, J and Japan to get the rest of it, it seems like. And you must have this kind, of a, <laughs> this kind of a pencil and this kind of a marker and this kind of a pen, and we only use this kind of paper, and, you know, it's just the dreaded list of supplies. And then for the year, maybe some of you are in this year, where you have to buy the $100 calculator. I don't know if anybody's ever had to do that or if you're looking forward to that or even if they do that anymore. But, you know, that was always, you know, that was kind of a gauge that we used. Oh, this is the year that we have to buy the calculator. Dun, dun, dun. And then so-and-so says, I've got one. You can have mine for 10 bucks." And you take it to school and something new has been, there's something that's been added. So the one you bought is no longer good. So you have to buy the $100 one anyway. I, I digress. But, you know, we have to get ready. We have to get prepared for school. A million and one things that we have to do every year to do that. But what I want to focus on is how are we getting prepared spiritually for school? How are we getting prepared spiritually for life? You certainly expect me to say something like that because we are in church, right? But it is so important and, you know, we really do go all out in trying to make sure that our kids have what they need. And we will go, uh, we will almost go to Japan 
seems like, to make sure that they have what they need. But are we making sure that they have what they need in their spiritual life, in their walk with Christ? Is that of importance? Is this an eye roll moment for us? You know, here we go again. Another message to make me feel guilty because I'm not the perfect Christian parent. And there is no such thing, so take that pressure off right now. But it does need to be impressed how important it is. And not just, not just for our wee little ones and not just for intermediate ones, but for those that are heading off to college. And maybe even more so for them because they're kind of away from the safety of home and the things that, that kind of keep them grounded and they're kind of stepping out and they're on their own. And that's when a lot of temptation and a lot of trouble and a lot of stress uh, can come into their lives. And it's important. It's important that even in those moments, we are trying to prepare them for spiritually, for what this world is going to try to do to them. So let's go to Psalm 127. We're going to read several verses, beginning with verse number 1. And this will be of a help to get us started this morning. Psalm 127, verse number 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep, or he grants sleep to those he loves. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. So we're going to use those verses, and, and as, especially I think of that first verse, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. How important is it for us to know the Lord? How important is it for us to have a relationship with Him to help us and to guide us and to lead us through these treacherous parenting years or these treacherous uh, single and out on my own years or these treacherous uh, young married couple years or these treacherous middle-aged years or these treacherous senior years? We need the Lord we need His presence. We need His guidance. And it's, it's great to know that He is willing to provide all those things for us. And He wants to. Are we letting Him, though? Are we opening ourselves up to that? I've got three, just three thoughts I want to give you this morning. And they're very simple. Three simple thoughts that will get us thinking. And hopefully uh, get some action going uh, in our lives if we being inactive in any of these areas. Now, the first thing I want to suggest to you is this. I know that homeschooling has become a, a popular thing and remains so even today. And for many of us, the thoughts of homeschooling other million responsibilities stacked on to what we already have to do. And so it's never even a consideration for some of us or for a lot of us. But I want to suggest this to you child that is alive is homeschooled every child is homeschooled what do you mean by that what does that mean well here's what i what i mean when i say that that it is not the school it is not the school's responsibility to morally and spiritually guide your children even if even if they go to a christian school it is not the school's responsibility. Don't depend on them for the things that your child needs in these areas. Um, whether you send your kids off to school every day or whether they're, you know, uh, you send them off to school, you think everything's going to be fine, they're going to be okay. Think about this. The biggest chunk of what they're going to learn in their lives and that is going to make them who they're going to be is what they learn and what you teach them at home. I heard it said once that it doesn't matter what you teach them, they're going to grow up and they're going to be just like you. They're going to be just like you. Have you, ever, have you ever had that moment, parents? Have you ever had that moment when your grown-up kids 
come around and you're looking at him and you're thinking, oh my, that is exactly something I would, that is exactly something. I don't know which is it more of a, which is scarier for the adult to see the child or for the say to themselves, I have become my mother or I have become my father. Um, but there, you know, that's it. Basically, home is a training ground. You know, a lot of people are concerned too. A lot of people are concerned that that prayer has been taken out of schools. And prayer really never has been taken out. I mean, I can pray anytime I want to. I could pray when I was going to school at any moment, at any time. Nobody could stop me. No way. But more than being concerned about there being no prayer in school, I think I'm more concerned that there's not prayer in the home. Are we praying at home? Are we praying together one another to pray. I want us to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's a very familiar scripture. Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 9. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. So what does this mean, really? What are we reading here? I think... When we first read that first verse, it's pretty obvious. I need to love God with everything. I need to love Him with everything that I have. But we also need to take and teach His words and His ways. It says diligently to your children. It's giving the idea of impressing or piercing even your children with the things of God. You know, we're very, we're, it's, it's very easy for us to, to bring our kids into our conversations at home because they're there and they might as well hear or, or, or participate in the conversation. Sometimes our conversations aren't uplifting. Sometimes our conversations aren't encouraging. Sometimes our children see us and hear us say things that they don't need to hear us say. And I, and I group all of us into that category. But we are teaching our children, even as we have conversations with one another, about how we see other people, about how we like other people, about how we love other people, about how we dislike other people. And sometimes that conversation is so ongoing that that's what pierces them and that's what they get. But in in contrast, what this scripture is telling us is I want you to pierce, I want you to impress of God and the Word of God onto your kids. And how do we do this? Well, it says you need to talk about it when you're sitting at home. That's when you're relaxing. So, you're relaxing. You need to talk about God and the things of God. And it says when you walk down the road. So that's when you've got stuff that you're doing, when you're busy, when you've got stuff that needs to be taken care of. Even in those moments, we need to be talking to our kids about God, about His Word, and about His ways. And then it says, when you lie down and when you get up. When you lie down and get up, we need to be teaching them diligently. So this gives us the idea of we need to do this like every day. And we need to be consistent in doing this every day. And then we see, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your heads. So what we're being encouraged here to do is go to some place like Hobby Lobby and get some crafty stuff and really flashy kind of things, and write Bible verses and hang them from your wrists and between your eyes. Y'all ready to do that? <laughs> Let's talk about it this way. Let's talk about our testimony. Those conversations that we're having in the home, the things that they're hearing us say when we're concerned about something. How do we act? How do we talk about it? Do we, do we trust God for what's going on? So in our testimony, even as we live, we are supposed to be impressing diligently upon our kids the ways and the words of God. 
And then it says, write them on your door frames and your houses and on your gates. And the, the idea here is to let it be known anybody who enters your house and comes through your front door that you are a believer and that you believe in the name of Jesus Christ. This is so for the neighbor who comes by to borrow a cup of sugar. This is for those uh, from work who may stop by after work and, and fellowship with you. These are for, for the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons who may knock on your door and ask you questions about this, that this thing about being a believer. Let it be made known that you are a believer, that you are a believer and why you are a believer. So we're, none of us are being let off the hook here. None of us are. It is that important. I need to be reminded. I need to read. I need to study. I need to pray because my mind wanders. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, as the hymn says. Prone to leave the God I love. This past week, past month, really, uh, a couple in the Christian community have taken to social media. We talked about this during practice this morning. Have taken to social media and they have talked about how they have left the faith or fallen from the faith or they no longer believe. And they have a responsibility because some of them have four million followers. And the word that they're putting out is, I just don't know. I just don't believe. Well, if you have four million followers, you better know. And you better believe. We said, to whom much is given, much is required. And if you have an audience that is listening to what you have to say, it better be coming from this right here because this is the only stuff that's tried and true you may have an opinion and you may have a thought quoted as such but use the word of god when you want to give truth to the masses truth to the world and we need to pray for these individuals from us because they were never a part of us to begin with so pray for people who are leading worship and leading churches in this world that they are getting their, they're getting their stuff from here. This is where it needs to come from. And you can, you can talk about how it's relevant to culture if you want to, but don't let culture be your Bible. Don't let this world be the, the volumes that you take your truth from. This is where we get our truth from. And that's the importance that is trying to be impressed here in this Scripture. And what that means too is that the, the truth and the life and the message that we are giving to our kids, it's got to be something that we have ourselves before we even try to pass it on to them. Don't try to teach your kids about God. Don't try to teach your kids about Jesus if you don't have that relationship yourself because you'll probably make some missteps along the way. Let me tell you, I am a Christian. I've been a Christian since I was nine. I've been a parent for 21 years, and I still make mistakes. So it is important for me to know what I know and know why I know it and know why I believe it. Because if it's all about this, and please hear me, if all we are dispensing are, is religion and rules and regulations, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, if that's all we're giving, then regulations, rules, and religion will lead to another R, and that's called rebellion. That's called rebellion, and we do not want that. If our faith is not something real and something tangible, if all our faith is is just a bunch of do's and don'ts and dress codes and behaviors, then I think you can keep it because that's not what faith is all about. If that's what we're dispensing, we're in trouble. It's kind of like trying to teach our kids how to swim by writing them a letter. Dear Johnny, don't eat until you've, don't swim until you've, waited 30 minutes after you've eaten or you will have cramps dear johnny make sure that you wear uh clothing that has spf or, or keeps you from getting burnt has wear wear sufficient sunscreen dear johnny as you step into the water step slowly into cold water especially so that you don't cramp. they don't want to hear them this is what they want they want you to get in the water with them that's how we show them do life with them not don't do this, don't do that. Let's get in there and let's be with them and let's do it with them. So many times we try to parent like a, uh, 
like a soap dispenser. Uh, when you're dirty, you dispense soap and you wash it off. But you know the thing is, you're going to get dirty again, so you go back and you pump it up and, and wash it off. And God's always concerned about what's going on on the inside, right? So I think what people have tried to do in years past is they've taken that bar of soap and they've tried to wash the outsides of kids' mouths out because they felt like that would do some good with the inside. I don't know if you ever had your mouth washed out with soap, but how much good did it do you? You're probably going to say a lot of good. I never wanted that to happen again. But he wants to take care of us on the inside. So the, the solution is to, to take the soap dispenser and squirt soap down our throat. The, the solution is for our kids to see a real relationship that we have with Christ and to encourage that for them as well. You know, there's a lot of non-believers out there who are very clean cut. They wear very modest clothes. They don't break the law. They don't drink excessively. Uh, they're very lawful. They're great neighbors. But they're lacking something that's very important. They do not have the life of Christ in them. So as parents, we need to make sure. We need to make sure that we have Christ in us. So that means if we don't have a relationship, we need to allow that to take place right now so that we can give our kids exactly what they need. Homeschool our kids. What's another way we need to homeschool them? I think Scripture tells us not to compare our kids to their siblings or with other kids. Don't make those comparisons. I'm going to read some Scripture, and I'm going to put the emphasis a little bit different place than we normally do. This is from Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Let me say that again. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So what am I trying to get here? What am I trying to get across to us here this morning? This is what I'm trying to say, that we need to train up our children according to the way that God made him or that God made her. Train up a child in the way that God has made them because each one of us are unique. We need to get involved in their lives and we don't need to try to remove or change the special way that God has made them. Now, let me, let me put this in here very quickly. A lot of people will take the way that they're living their lives, which are immoral, ungodly, and unbiblical, and they will say, God made me this way. And I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this, that not every kid learns the same way. Sometimes there are challenges in learning. And sometimes instead of trying to make this kid like every other kid, we need to take a little extra time or a little... Or, or maybe a little extra prayer. <laughs> That's always good too with that particular child. And, it may, and it's going to take work. And we don't want to compare our children either. We don't want to compare them with one another. Why can't you? Some of the worst phrases, one of the worst phrases that can come out of our mouth is why aren't you more like your brother so-and-so? Or why aren't you more like your sister so-and-so? Those are comparisons that God does not intend for us to make they already get this at school they already get it at the doctor's office well your child's growth is in the top 70 percent of the nation or your child's uh, academic performance is falling far below the average blah 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 so we're already comparing our kids in every other area your child according to Pro psalm 139 verses 13 through 16 we're going to read that a little bit later but it says they're fearfully and wonderfully made. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every child, every child, whether they, whether they have physical restrictions or mental restrictions or emotional restrictions, they are fearfully and wonderfully made. I get an amen. Amen. Every child is special. Train up a child in the way he should go. Training up that child, helping them to understand the, what's right and what's wrong according to the Word of God, according to the Scripture that we just read a few minutes ago. But not only teaching them, but allowing them to teach us what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, what their likes are, what their dislikes are, what their interests are. So in other words, 
so as not to take our child and compare our child with every other child that we come in contact with. Take some time and get to know your child. It will take time. It takes time. Absolutely. Let me put it this way. If you've got one child, you're helping to write one book, one story. If you've got four children, you're helping to write books. You're helping with four stories. And that's when it is good to have a relationship with God because you are going to need it, right? He is the one that helps us. He is the one that gives us what we need. So we can't compare. God's Word tells us not to compare each other. And why not? Why not use your older sibling as an example? Why not use so-and-so's child as an example? Because God wants us to use His Son as an example. Jesus is our example. That's what makes comparison. Are our children becoming more Christ-like? Because isn't that what you really want? Isn't that what we really want for our kids? So homeschool our kids. That's the first thought. Here's the second one. We've got to be communicating with our kids. We need to be talking to our kids. Not only do we need to talk to our kids, but we need to listen to our kids, to our grandkids, to our great-grandkids. You know, it just goes on and on. What a privilege, what a legacy. But we need to listen. And when we don't communicate, things can get really dangerous. And it's important for us to stay on top of what's going on in our kids' lives. Uh, what kind of books are they using in school now? Who are their teachers? What kind of projects are they going to be responsible for this year at school? What are they learning at church? What are their teachers at church teaching them? What are they learning at Scouts? What kind of things are their coaches saying to them while they're, while they're at practice? So, and then support the kids in these things as well. Support them in the things that they do. Support them in their projects. Support them in their uh, recitals. Support them in their games and their tournaments and things that they're involved in. Find out what they taught at school. Who were their friends? Who were, their, who were they remaining friends with? Why have they stopped being friends with so-and-so? What do they enjoy? What are they not looking forward to? You know, some of us would take these questions and not be able to answer any of them because we're not communicating with our kids. And some of us would say, well, I try, but they, they just won't communicate back. Well, here's what we do. We keep trying. We keep trying. And we remember how God put the family together that it is not the children that run the home. It is the parents that train up the children. Because that's the responsibility that God has given us. It's not because, hey, I'm just super-duper parent and everybody should be the parent that I am. Because none of us can say that. It's not that. It's not even so much, you do what I say because I told you to and that's what you have to do kind of stuff. Now, we've all used that, and that might be effective in some situations. But, you know, we need to communicate with our kids, and we need to talk, and we need to have, we need to have um, uh, technology-free conversations, you know, where they're not texting while they're talking to you, or while you're not reading emails while they're talking to you on your phone. Let's put them down. Let's talk. Those things are really important. And if... That, you know, that way, as, they be, as we begin to communicate with them, they're going to be able to come to you and ask the questions that they need answers for. And no topic should be off limits. Talk to your kids about what they need to know. What they need to know about what? About drinking. Tell your kids what they need to know about drugs. Tell your kids what they need to know about appropriate and inappropriate relationships with the opposite sex. Let them know. Talk to them about it. There's plenty of help out there if you don't know what to say or how to say it. And there are plenty of parents in here who have been through it. And we need to come together and help each other out in that respect. That's what we're here for. But communication is so important. And we go back to the Scripture that we read. You know, we need to teach them diligently. And we need to talk to them when they're sitting down and when they're walking and when they're lying down. And, you know, we need to, we need to teach them these things 
through the conversations and the communication that we have. And here's another way to communicate. And this is how we communicate with God. It's through prayer. Do we ever pray with our kids? Do we pray together with our kids? Is that something that's important for us to do? I'm talking even beyond. Now, these are stepping stones. You can, you can certainly pray the now I lay me down to sleep and God is great, God is good prayers. But how about this? How about praying with your kids about tests that they're taking? Has your child ever come and said, hey, I need you to pray for me. I've got a test coming up and I'm really concerned. Take that moment right there to pray about it. How about bullies? Pray about bullies. Pray about sports. Pray about anything that they want to pray about. And live this life together and communicate with one another. It's so important. Communication is so important. And I want to read a communication that took place uh, from the book of Proverbs chapter 4. This is a father speaking with his son. And here's a guideline for us. If we don't know how to do it, let's look at the Word of God and see what it says. This is a father's example from Proverbs chapter 4. Listen, my sons, to a father's discipline and pay attention so that you may gain understanding. For I am giving you good instruction. Don't abandon my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, he taught me and said, Your heart must hold on to my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Don't forget or turn away from the words of my mouth. Don't abandon wisdom, and she will watch over you. Love her, and she will guard you. Wisdom is supreme, so get wisdom. And whatever else you get, get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. If you embrace her, she will honor you. She will place a garland of grace on your head, she will give you a crown of beauty. And then he talks about two ways of life. Listen, my son, accept my words and you will live many years. I'm teaching you the way of wisdom. I'm guiding you on straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Don't let go. Guard it, for it is your life. Don't set foot on the path of the wicked. Don't proceed in the way of evil ones. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn away from it and pass it by. For they can't sleep unless they have done what is evil. They are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, shining brighter and brighter until midday. But the way of the wicked is like the darkest gloom. They don't know what makes them stumble. And then he talks about the straight path. My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it is a source of life. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly, and don't let your lips talk deviously. Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet, and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. That's the conversation that we want to have with our kids. We want to teach them and show them the right way. We want to teach them and show them God's way. We want to teach them how to keep His words and hide them there don't sin against him are these conversations that we're having with our kids is this the type of conversation that we are having with them to help prepare them and get them ready and there's one more thought one more thing that i wanted to throw out there and that is this it is how important and how essential encouragement is encouragement is so, so important to our kids. You have to understand and know that there are enough negative forces in the world already. And if we can't find positives and if we can't focus on the positives of our kids, then it's not the kids that have a problem. It's, I, it's me, you, that have the problem. 
So what we want to do, and listen, please listen very carefully to these. I'm just about done. We want to teach our kids to do the best. We want to teach our kids to do their best. But we've got to leave room for failure. We've got to leave room for failure. Scripture tells us whatever your hands do, you've got to do it with all your might. Do it as unto the Lord. So are we encouraging our kids when they get out there on the field to play, you know, play like you're playing for the Lord? Does it say that? Maybe. But whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. When you're getting ready to take a test and, and you're going to your parents' kids and you're saying, pray, pray for me, I'm, I'm concerned. Say, well, take that test if you're taking it for the Lord. Does that seem going to do to you how is that going to change you is it going to make you think a bit more maybe maybe when another test comes up you think well hey whatever i do for god i want it to be my best so maybe i need to maybe i need to hit the books a little maybe i need to take things a little more seriously or maybe i need to realize that i'm not going to be graded god's not going to grade me on how well i do on this test but he wants me to do whatever I do as if I'm doing it unto him. And when I do that, what I'm doing is I'm keeping him on the forefront of thinking. And I'm thinking about God. I'm thinking about God a lot. And is that ever a bad thing? I don't think it's bad. As a matter of fact, I know it's not. So we've got to teach them to do their best. And to be their best. To, to, to do their best. But it's not so important. And hear this. It's not so important to be the best. Sometimes we put too much emphasis on that and too much pressure on kids. I want you to be the best. I want you to be number one. Anything else is unacceptable. I want you to have strength. If you can't do that, then you're doing something wrong, and that's unacceptable. The problem there is we're not leaving room for failure because we will all fail at some point in time. And if we feel like we're not only failing our schools and our coaches, but more importantly, we're failing you as our parents, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very disturbing, very troubling for us. So here's what we need to do. We need to focus on strengths. Focus on the strengths that we have and realize that we all make mistakes. But also for those of us who are so driven to be the best or to always win, let me tell you this doesn't matter what you're doing if you come in last place or if you come in third place or if you come in first place it doesn't really matter as a child of God as a child of the king since I'm saved and since I've been born again I'm always a winner and I am already victorious because of what God has done in my life you kids adults seniors if you have Christ in you, then you have won. We have won. We are winners. So just, let, just, just push back. Let God take all that negative. For all your life, you're not good enough. You're worthless. Because all those we know are lies from Satan. Hear what he says. You are the fragrance of Christ to me. Think about that. And parents... Let me just say this too. We need to be willing to admit when we're wrong and we need to be willing to admit to our, to our grandkids, to our great-grandkids. If we've done something wrong and we've made a mistake, we need to let them know because they need to see that it's okay to admit that you failed. They need to see that. What else we got? This one's so important to me and I have this one in here. You need to laugh often. You need to laugh often. It seems like we need to laugh right now. Everybody laugh. Just laugh a little. Okay? We need to laugh a lot. Scripture tells us, I think it's Proverbs uh, 17, 22. I love this verse. I don't know, this may be my life verse. <laughs> a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. How many of you have felt better after you have just laughed? You couldn't hardly breathe. Bre I said breathe with an F. Breathe. Think about that. Have you ever laughed so hard that you couldn't catch your breath and you laughed so hard that there weren't any 
noises coming out of your mouth. And it was almost like everything had stopped and nothing was going in and nothing was coming out. That is such a good feeling, isn't it? <laughs> but laugh a lot. Don't laugh at somebody. Laugh with somebody, right? It's so important to laugh a lot. Our homes need to be happy places. If we're children of the King, our homes should be very happy places. Yeah, we've got troubles and, and, and we've got sickness just like everybody else does. But we've got Jesus. We've got so much to look forward to day to day, but also in the future. So make your home a merry place and be fun to live with. And this kind of kind of go back to what we just said. Be willing to to admit your mistakes and laugh about them. Can you see what I just did? <laughs> That's so silly. You know, make your home a happy place and a merry place. And, you know, there's going to be times when you have to say no. It's always going to be. But look for ways to say yes. Mom, can I blah, blah, blah? Well, you can do this, you know. Oh, that's all that psychology stuff. You know, I think it all goes back to making your home a happy place. There's ways to tell kids that they don't need things in a positive way. And for them to see the benefits of making the best choice. Like the father that we just read about in Proverbs. He talked about two paths. Don't take the path of the wicked. Take the path that's, that's the path that God wants you to take. Okay, a couple more and then I'm done. Um, treat your teenagers, and this is for those especially that have teenagers. You need to treat your teenagers like adults, but expect them to still act like kids, everyone. Like adults. Why is that important? Because I think a teenager, and really adults as well, we can group ourselves in that, that group as well. When you treat a teenager or when you treat an adult like a baby, they're going to act like a baby. <laughs> but when you treat them like adults, they will act like adults. And I think it's interesting, too, that is, do you find it easier to get the little kids, the younger children, to think that you're cool than it is for the teenagers to think that you're cool? You know what I'm saying? Like the little ones think you're great. There's nothing like you. But they reach that one point at some point where as teenagers they look at you and they think you're just stupid. I, if there is some way that we could be half as wonderful as our little kids think we are and only half as dumb as our teenagers think we are, then we're on the right track, right? Something else to laugh about. But we've got to give our kids room to grow and part of that growing is giving them opportunities to trust their judgment. You know, your kids are going to probably come to you for a lot of things. But there comes a point when you can say to them, well, I don't, what do you think about it? Well, what decision do you think? And give them opportunities to trust their own judgment. Because if we're teaching them and training them up the way God wants us to, according to the scripture that we've read this morning, then they're, gonna, they're probably going to make a good decision every now and then. But like all of us, they will fail and make mistakes as well. And we encourage and help them through both of those moments. And then this one is probably the most important one of all as we try to prepare our kids for this back-to-school time, and that is this, that your child belongs to God. And God has given you that child for a time. He tells us in Psalm 139, 13 through 16, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance or my frame was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. What that's telling us there at the end is that he knows all the numbers of your days. He knows what you're going to do. He knows what your children are going to do. He knows everything about you, and he knew everything about you even before you were. So he belonged, your kids are gifts that God has given to you. And so what does that make you want to do? Take good care, right? 
take good care of that gift that he has given you. And the final thing, since we understand that, is that we want to have a home where they feel secure. A home where our kids feel secure. What do I, what do I mean by that? I just want to reiterate this, and that is that your relationship with Christ is the greatest example that you can give for your kids. It's not providing them with everything that money can buy. It's not always cleaning up their messes so they don't have to clean any of their own messes up. It's not taking charge never have to make a decision. It's not trying to shelter them from anything that might help them even. But it is your relationship with Christ. They need to see that. They need to see that. So we need to make our homes places where they can see that Christ is important to us and that we love Him. And as we are building that home and that place of security, what we're, what we're building is a home that the prodigal will come back. Think about that. We all know the story, probably all know the story, of the prodigal son. And we'll remember that he left home at one point. But if you'll remember the story, he came back, didn't he? And why did he come back? He came back because of his father, right? He came back because of his father and because of the father that he had in that home. Let's be the mother, let's be the father, the grandmother, the grandfather, the guardian, the great-grandparent, whatever, whatever case your situation is, that that child always feels they can come home to. I'm not telling you you got to be perfect, but you got to be real, and they've got to see that what you have with Christ is real and of utmost importance in your life. And if that's the case, then His ways and His words will be heard and seen your life. And you will be a well of life for your kids and for your grandkids and for your great-grandkids. If our children live with criticism, they will grow up and learn how to condemn others. If our child lives with hostility, they will learn how to fight. If our children live with ridicule, they will become fearful. If our children live with shame, they will feel guilt. But if our kids live with tolerance, the right kind of tolerance, they will become patient children. If they live with encouragement, they will learn to be confident. If they live with praise, they will learn to be appreciative. If they live with fairness, they will learn to be just. If they live with security, they will learn to have faith. If they live with approval, they will learn to like themselves. And if they live with acceptance, they will learn friendship and how to be a friend. And again, there's the possibility of feeling overwhelmed. You know, maybe my kids are grown up. I've, I've felt miserably. I'm hearing what you're saying. And I agree with it, but I just haven't been that, that type of person. Or maybe you don't even have kids yet, and you're thinking, that's the way that I want to be. But you're thinking also, I can't do that. That's too much. I can't do that. And I'm going to encourage you and tell you that you can. You can do it. And this is how you can do it. And we get this from Joshua 24, 14 and 15. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But, and here we go, and this is how we do it, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Is that your decision? Is that your directive? Is that what you want? 
I believe if you're a child of God, it is because I believe that he, that desire is in your heart. The thing is, we have to serve the Lord. Don't serve the fear. Don't serve what the world is serving you. Serve the Lord. Make that decision. And one way that we can we can be with that collectively this morning is through prayer. So here's what I'd like. I'd like for us all to stand. A couple of things that, or a couple of people, several people really that I want to come up. First, I would like for Jared and Jennifer, if they will, to come up. And if you'll just stand over here, guys. I won't make you walk far. This is Jared and Jennifer. Everybody know Jared and Jennifer, right? They're leaving to go to China on Wednesday to see Nate, who will be coming back with them in about two and a half weeks, three weeks, somewhere around there. So this is so exciting for us as a church. Uh, I know it's exciting for them. Uh, I know Jared's looking forward to being at home and having all this traveling behind him. But uh, we are excited for them, and we have been for a long time. And, uh, and it's a privilege to come alongside of you in this journey. And we thank you for that. So uh, we're going to pray for these guys as they get ready to travel uh, this week and, and see Nate. Nathaniel. Calling him Nate, right? Okay. And next, I would like for if you are a child or a student or a young adult, that is going to be attending school this fall. I want you guys to come up here. All right. That's a pretty good portion of of the congregation this morning, isn't it? Okay, if you are part of uh, the immediate family... Of any of these people up here, I want you to come up and stand along beside of them. And just to clarify, Ron, you can come up here and stand with Jared and Jennifer. <laughs> They're kind of going to school. <laughs> okay. Good deal. All right. Now, here's what I would like for the rest of us to do. Let's come up here and gather around them. If you're able, if you're physically able to come, let's come and gather around Jared, Jennifer, and Ron and come together just all across the front of the stage here. And we can even close the gaps, guys. That's, that's fine. And as we're, we're all meeting together here, um, some of our children's leaders, uh, Carla and Melissa and Christian, have taken our kids uh, to camp this weekend, and they'll be driving back home today. So keep them, they're here. They're already here. Well, I was going to pray for safe travels, but hey, God already answered that prayer. That's awesome. So uh, that's, that's where they've been, and I know they've had a great time. Uh, and let's just thank God that they did make it back safely. Okay. And here's what we want to pray for. We want to pray for these, these kids, these students, these young men and women. Uh, because school is tough. We've been there. We know. They've got a lot of things that are going to come at them at once. They're going to feel at moments like they can't do it. Uh, they're going to feel overwhelmed. And we want to be that 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 home where they can come back to to talk about it, to pray about it, uh, and we can maybe even laugh about it. And we want to be those types of homes. And, the, you know, we've got the immediate family right near them. But, you know, you guys are family too. We're all family. We're all part of a family here. So we need to pray for these guys and all that they're going to be challenged with, uh, not just this school year, but 
through, throughout life. And uh, let's pray for one another and let's encourage one another. Does that sound like a good idea? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are, first of all, so blessed to have these kids and these young people and these young adults here today. It's a, it's a testimony to their parents, to their grandparents, to their guardians that they're here. And also a testimony to those that are a little bit older that church and, and God is important to them and they want to be here. I know we have some that are, that are out working in children's church this morning. And we want to include them in this as well. That we pray for each and every one that will go to school this fall. Maybe has already started. And Father, I pray that they would remember uh, the promises of your word. That you are with them. That you will never leave them. That you will never forsake them. That they are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that you have a purpose in their lives. And that no matter where they are, no matter where they go. Uh, if they have accepted you as Lord and Savior, you're going to be right there with them and you're going to be helping them through whatever it is that they're going through. Make this more real and more tangible to them this year than it's ever been. And as their parents and grandparents and guardians and extended family of the church, uh, may we encourage them with our words, um, Maybe with cards, with a hug, with a handshake, uh, but certainly with prayer. Maybe we'll pick a day uh, where we'll just pray for all of our students and all of our kids and lift them up to you. But Father, help us, help us to realize that when they come home and when they see us, that the most important thing that they can see in us is, is to see you. And we thank you that you are willing to be that light that shines through us, that guides us, that keeps us. You are all that we need, and we acknowledge that here this morning. And we pray for your will to be done in each life, every life that is here today. We also pray for safe travels for Jared and Jennifer as they travel this week. We pray for their meeting with their son. Uh, we pray that things go well, uh, that it's a good time as they are getting to know each other better. And then as they come back home and, and he gets used to things bit by bit, little by little, uh, that we are the supportive uh, church family that we need to be. Not overcrowding and overbearing, but loving and supporting, most especially through prayer. Uh, help us to help us to do that. Uh, help us really just to be Jesus to them and to Nate as we get to know him. And we thank you for that privilege as well. Oh, the things that we have to be thankful for this morning. Thank you most of all for Jesus. For without him, none of the hope, none of the peace, uh, none of the joy, none of the laughter and happiness that we've been talking about would be possible. But because of him, we have all that we need. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. I've got one more announcement to make that I failed to make. Next Sunday, we will have a baptism service in the morning service. So I will meet with all candidates for baptism at 9.15 in my office Sunday morning. And we'll send that around the phone tree as well.